the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black, in your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, talk about the stock market for sure. We could also talk about retirement, how to get there, some real estate questions. If you want to talk a little politics, we could try, but that's really not my cup of tea more often than not. So why go there? Is my thought. Stock market went down in a big way early yesterday. So you always look at the open and the close and kind of throw them away. Markets today opens a little bit lower on the SP 500, the Dow, and the NASDAQ. It's kind of what happens in the middle of the day. The work that's put in is what you're trying to pay attention to. So yesterday the market goes down huge. I got an alert on my phone that Dow recovers triple-digit loss. Came all the way back. So, what do you say? You know, that's it's. You're not looking on the day by day. So today is quadruple witching. It's when a lot of options expire. So index options, index futures, stock options, and single stock futures. Trading volume is typically higher on these big expiration days, and it can be a little bit more dramatic. So, strong rebound yesterday, presumably fostered a sense that there would be a strong carryover this morning. Not the case. Just because you come roaring back and the markets have to close, you're like, oh, stay open a little bit longer and we can go higher. Stay open a little bit longer and we can go higher. Um, It doesn't necessarily follow through. Markets in Asia and Europe. Did get a boost, uh, but again, nothing nothing carried over to this morning. So maybe when we go down triple digits, there's a little bit of a a bargain hunting that goes on. There's a little bit of a angst right now that the UK will vote on June 23rd to leave the European Union. 
That's six days from now. There's a heightened sense of angst surrounding plummeting bond yields around the world. A heightened sense of angst about the global economic outlook. And a heightened sense of angst about the ineffectiveness of monetary policy. So the rebound yesterday was in large part a technical affair. So the S&P 500 didn't break negative bottoms, uh, support levels. So coincides with a 100-day moving average. And we're like, okay, so we can see why there's a bounce back. Because in the last 100 days, it really hasn't gotten much worse than this. Market participants get to thinking today about the U.K., the vote to leave the European Union, will it happen or won't it happen? There was news yesterday, sadly, that Joe Cox, a member of parliament who was in favor of the UK remaining part of the European Union, was murdered in the street by an individual extremist who reportedly favors the UK leaving the European Union. Can you imagine getting so upset that you kill someone? That, you know, I don't know, let's talk about Trump's wall. You get so upset that you either kill Trump or someone kills a Trump supporter <laughs> or someone like it's just it's insane that you would take it to the point of shooting someone. But that's the world we live in. Very, very angsty. So startling headline making rounds today is that St. Louis Fed President Bullard. He is FOMC voter thinks that a rethink of the economic outlook suggests there may be only one more rate hike necessary through 2018. Okay, so I'm going to look at my calendar right now. It's June 2016. At the start of the year, the Fed was telling us that it's to be four interest rate hikes in 2016. Now one of the Fed members says maybe just one more rate hike until the end of 2018. That's a pretty big about face. So let the bubbles continue to inflate. And Rob said, there shall be bubbles. Let there be bubbles. Favorite bubblegum? Bubblelicious. Housing starts and building permits report was mixed today. A little bit of economic data. Starts decreased three-tenths of a percent to an annualized rate of 1.1 million. Uh, Building permits increased seven-tenths of a percent, so that's future activity. When your contractor, who's got the plumber's butt, walks down to City Hall and says, let's put a permit in for Mr. Robert Black. And, uh, his name is Count Dracula. He's my contractor. <laughs> so, so that permit leads to this. Work in the kitchen. Work in the house. The permits are all about getting the, you know your city government to come out and go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, you can build a house here. Let me see. Let me see. Um, is there a toilet? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Check. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that takes months to get that guy to come out there. So it's all about future activity. Uh, nothing overly whelming in the housing starts numbers. It was a bit disappointing considering there's minimal growth in single-family starts. And that permits for single-family units were down 2%, led by declines in northeast and the west and midwest. South was the only region to see an increase in permits for single-family units. We need more single-family units. Remember how Elvis needs boats? Elvis needs boats. Elvis needs boats. Elvis needs boats, 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 boats. Love. <laughs> Exciting I guess this boat would do. Come aboard.
You remember this show was actually kind of sexy? It was kind of racy in the 70s. <clears throat> was it 70s or 80s? Probably 80s. Early 80s, late 70s. But if you were able to stay up till Friday at 10, you kind of got to see a bikini, or you kind of got to see people fall in love. Tony Danza was on every other week. The Sometimes couples would go, and they're about to get to divorce, but by the end of the episode, they're back in love. Okay, so Elvis needs boats. I'm, I'm totally digressing right now. Um, America needs houses. The problem is that you can't afford a house is because we're not making enough of them. The supply is very limited. The demand's very high. So a 33% decline in starts in the Northeast, oh, all of which was owed to a decline in multi-unit starts, was the big drag on the total housing starts. So, so these numbers are, are tough to really get into and, and explain on radio. But we're not building enough homes. So there's that. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. There's a, a pretty scary headline, which has kind of already been disproven, but it's still being run. Beijing is banning iPhone 6 models, saying it's too similar to a Chinese phone. This is the fear that you have with doing any sort of business in China. Is China's courts aren't fair and judicious. China's courts are the opinions of a Communist Party member. And he can say, you know, my friend works for this phone company. Call it China Phone Company. And he could say Apple's phone is too similar to China's phone. And Apple could say, no, no, no. We were selling our phone 10 years before. We've got you know, patents to prove it. Um, no. Intellectual property regulators in Beijing barred Apple from selling models of the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. Apple has come out today and said it is not an issue. And that they are actually still selling phones. But remember, China shut down Apple's iBooks and iTunes movie services in April. Saying they didn't have the appropriate licenses. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Elvis. Captain Elvis. Commodore Elvis it is. Yeah, man. You know, people from outer space. People from outer space, they come up to me. They don't look like Dr. Spock. They don't look like Klingons, all that Star Trek job. They look like Elvis. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. One of my favorite books is called The Death of Competition. I bring that up because I think it'll teach you a lot about investing. A lot. If you are able to grab a copy of it. It's The Death of Competition by a guy named James Moore. And his book is fabulous. Today's marketplace is seeing radical changes in the way companies do business with one another. 
and how they are constantly being forged partnerships and alliances. And lines between industries are starting to blur more and more. Think of some of the things that have died in your lifetime, like the phone book booth and the phone book. Um, and how you're like, okay, so there used to be something called a phone book. It's still out there. Someone still uses it. But there's not very many of them. So the industry hasn't completely gone away. What's another area that's going to go away? This one's kind of important because there's a lot of investments tied towards it. Gas stations. I know you're saying gas stations. They're not going to go away. They kind of already are. You have to pity America's gas station owners. They may not be with us forever. At one point in time, you know, we'd go fill up on a Sunday, a Saturday afternoon and go for a drive in the, the, the either the city or a drive in the, the country. Uh, my mom and dad did that with boys until two boys became three boys, three boys became four boys, four boys became five boys, and my dad probably about had had enough. And uh, we did things like we'd leave our rabbit. We had a pet rabbit. We'd leave our rabbit in the car, and it would, like, eat through the whole car. <laughs> Whoops. I'm surprised my dad wasn't, you know, didn't die earlier of cancer and alcoholism. So um, despite the recent price in spike in oil, gas still remains historically cheap. Americans are buying plenty of cars that consume lots of gas. They're driving a lot more miles than we were a couple of years ago. So how is our gas stations dying? Gas stations have been in decline now for decades. Between 1994 and 2014, the number of gas stations in the United States fell from 202,000 down to 152,000. That's down 25%. So there's a lot of mega trends going on. There are signs that their numbers could shrink even more. Start with gentrification. In a lot of urban areas, gas stations are finding it simply doesn't make economic sense to keep selling gasoline for reasons having nothing to do with demand of the product. As, you know, America's great cities revitalize and attract more wealth, land is becoming exceedingly expensive. If you try to buy a gas station in New York City and or San Francisco, there's, it's just the land. A gas station falls way down the list of the best things you could do with a piece of land as far as cost-effectiveness goes. There's very little profits in gasoline. There's probably almost no profits in gasoline. It's all in the food that they sell. So in Manhattan, where the best use for a gas station is a site of condominium or office development, the number of gas stations fell by a third between 2004 and 2014. There's just 39 gas stations today on Manhattan. San Francisco, you know, two dozen gas stations have made up way up for the developments over the past six years. So we're building like crazy, but we're not building gas stations like crazy. Natural gas, it's cheap and abundant thanks to fracking. Compressed natural gas and liquefied natural gas are merging as options. There's also the, you know, the infrastructure that Tesla's building out. So you're going to see more electric fueling stations crop up than gasoline stations. Uh, penetration of electric cars in America's fleet is still very low. Every month, though, thousands of new cars hit the roads, Teslas mostly, that don't use any gasoline in, at all and will never, ever, ever stop at gas stations. 
unless someone wants to pick up some jerky or, you know, a fresca. So gas stations are going the way of the dodo bird. It's a little bit crazy, but it's worth thinking about of what else will go down. San Francisco uh, goes through regular booms and boom cycles tied towards real estate. There's a lot of tensions right now in the longtime San Francisco residents and the tech industry. It traces its roots back to San Francisco Bay Area's housing crisis, where people go to ridiculous links, including living in boats, people live in vans, people live in cardboard boxes. There's a person who lives in a box inside of a boxy apartment. So the apartment is 600 square feet, and he's built a box inside of that, that box. So San Francisco is the second densest city in the United States after New York. It's got about 18,500 people per square mile, and there's 47 square miles. The density combined with the continued influx of people into San Francisco has led to the epic housing crisis. In 2015, the median house price in San Francisco was six times higher than the median price of existing homes in the United States. You might remember I told you there was a house on my street that uh, was 2,800 square feet, and they were selling it for $2.8 million, $1,000 per square foot. It sold. That is crazy. High home prices plus high population density plus low availability has led to San Francisco becoming the most expensive place in the country to rent. San Francisco is more expensive than New York. So New York, one-bedroom rent, $3,300. San Francisco, $3,600. So it's practically cheap to live in Washington, D.C. for $2,200 a month, or in Miami for $1,900, for Chicago, $1,700, Seattle, $1,700. It's put a big squeeze on the lower and middle classes. School teachers in San Francisco earn about $65,000. To live in a one-bedroom in the city, they'd have to spend 65% of their income. Um, and you're not supposed to do more than 30. I told you there's a guy named Peter Berkowitz who started living in a box in a roommate's living room for about $400 a month living in the box. And if you got play with women when you're living in a box, you're pretty good. So the tech industry is exasperating things. Um, if you take a look at pictures of San Francisco from like 1945 and compare them to where they are today, a lot of things haven't changed. A lot of the trolley cars, a lot of the building sizes, that's kind of the problem. We'll talk about this more. You can call the show 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. We'll take a break here. I'll be right back. Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
So this is the Strumbellas. I actually bought the album. Pretty good album. I think, for me, this is the band of the summer. This is the band that I'd like to see at a festival. And I know you're saying, you're never going to a festival, Rob. You're lying. You're right. I will never go to a festival. I went to Lollapalooza a few years back, and I think festivals should be... I went to the first Lollapalooza ever, which is pretty damn cool. Um, that shows you how old I am. But uh, and Jane's Addiction closed the show. Uh, but Stromella's... I, I'd like to see a show. Um, I saw a band probably like eight years ago called Imagine Dragons. And I saw them right before they hit big. And uh, it was the thing where I was like, I should offer to invest in them. I would invest in the Strabellas. Only because I think you're going to see their music in like NFL commercials and stuff like that. And I know that you're saying that's a sign of success. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with a new laugh. What do you think of that one? <laughs> it's a little Elmer Fudd. I'm hunting rabbits. There's a cartoon clip of Elmer Fudd using an assault rifle to hunt a rabbit. I wonder what's wrong with our country. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, did you watch... Did you watch the NBA Finals last night? Or did you watch the USA Soccer match? I know you're saying, uh, probably the NBA Finals. But at some point in time, you had to turn it off. It was just too heartbreaking. It feels like the refs are getting paid by Vegas, right? Which, by the way, the NHL's coming to Vegas. How cool is that? Um, but Clay Thompson had a, a quote last night. And it was tied towards, you know, after game six, Warriors guard, he echoed a lot of confidence, you know. Um, but he also made reference to the immense amount of pressure on the Warriors to win game seven. After winning 73 games to have the most successful season in NBA history, anything short of a second championship for the Warriors is a failure. When asked the very question, Thompson was blunt. He goes, 100%. I thought that was a trick question at first. So anything short of a championship, <laughs> there is a lot of pressure on these guys. Um the Warriors could stake a claim as the greatest team in NBA history, but not not if they lose the game. They were historically dominant, unstoppable offensive force whose defense was underrated because they often let up while blowing teams out. But in the postseason, they've had some injuries, they've had some fatigue, they've had some bad luck with matchups. Um, they got pushed to the brink by Oklahoma City. Now they're getting pushed to the brink by Cleveland. An immense amount of pressure. And... I think we should feel not an immense amount of pressure to win a championship. We should feel an immense amount of pressure to get to retirement with enough money to live. I want to have enough money to pass on to heirs. That's my goal. I want to have enough money to be the coolest grandfather on the earth. Grandfathers and grandmothers have the the best life because they get to be nice to the kids and the parents take the kids home. So I remember my grandmother used to make me chocolate milk, Hershey's chocolate milk. She would go out and get a can of Hershey's chocolate, right? And uh, it's the only memory that I really have of her. And you're saying, you have one more. I do have one more, but I don't want to share it because it makes us look really, really, really bad as a family. 
we used to take, <laughs> so she had, she'd give you a can of chocolate milk, of chocolate, and I'd have to make my own chocolate milk, which is great. Anytime I visit her, she'd have this brand new can, and like, here you go. And she thought it was like she was giving gold, and I guess it was kind of gold to me at that point in time, black gold, Hershey chocolate gold. And you wonder why diabetes is such a problem in the United States. Uh, but my other memory of her was she let the grandkids go out in the yard and play with a bow and arrow. <laughs> we came up with a game. Oh, it's amazing none of us died. We came up with a game where we would shoot a bow and arrow straight in the air and run. So you shoot, arrow goes straight up, and it comes back down. If it, if it hits you, you're basically dead because it's going to go through your head. Yep, that was my childhood. <laughs> Didn't get to visit Grandma all that often, but I do have that wonderful memory that was repressed up until now. So Apple in the news today about selling a phone in Beijing and or not. It tells you something that's whether or not the lower court ruling of Apple's copying a Chinese phone, whether or not that is upheld or not upheld, it's not that important. But it does show you what's wrong with investing in China. And I don't want you to invest in China. To me, it's still a pseudo, it's a communist country that has pseudo capitalism. And when they don't want something, they, they shut it down. They go, or, oh, you know, Apple, you didn't give the government enough money this year. So we're not going to let you sell your phone. Nee, 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 nee. Now, Apple's got the other phone, the SE. You know that one? It's the teeny tiny Apple phone. It's the size of a thimble. It's really tough to put up to your hear, ear and hear and talk into it. Uh, they announced it about three months ago. It's selling out aggressively. Demand has been very strong and exceeds supply at this point. They're trying to get the iPhone SE into the hands of every customer who wants one as quickly as possible. The SE starts at $399, unlike the 6S, which starts at $650, so it's cheaper. Analysis of traffic to Apple's online store shows visits from uh, countries around the world, from China and India, spiking demand. So um, it's got to be gratifying for Cook and his team that Apple can still launch a product that flies off the shelves faster than the company can make them. Just worthy of note. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Young adults. I believe the children are our future. That song made no sense to me as a kid. I believe the children are our future. But now it's starting to make some sense to me. Young would-be home buyers are still sitting on the sidelines of America's housing market, with first-time home buyers representing a decade's low share. That's not good. Student loans, high prices of homes, low credit scores have all been blamed for this. Um, young adults don't want start homes. So the bank said, there was a bank that just did a, Bank of America did a survey. They want to wait until they can buy their dream home and perhaps the home they'll grow old in. So they're not buying starter homes. So our future of starter homes are in trouble. 75% of first-time buyers would prefer to bypass their starter home and purchase a place that will meet their future needs, uh, even if that means waiting to save more. They say they want to buy the house. They, 35% say they want to buy the house they want to retire in. Um, we've seen evidence now of this in sales in California. Younger folks are looking for larger homes, three-bedroom detached homes, 
This means no condos for them. A friend of mine, Gabrielle, she's pushing 40. And she's one of those tech workers that always wanted to find love, didn't find love. Always wanted to find a house, couldn't find a house. So after years and years of trying, she went with a starter home, a condo, and she hated it. And three or four years later, she's got a massive amount of equity, and she's loving it. So the housing market's hot right now. Home prices, listings are up 9% nationally from one year ago. The market's still incredibly broken. 30% of homes are being sold to first-time buyers. The historic rate is 40%. The absence of young first-time buyers creates problems all around the housing market food chain. Because remember I told you earlier, I like the book, The Death of Competition. It teaches you how to compare companies. Um, it does it through a very ecology-oriented way. It, the example that I like to quote because it's quick and fast is back in the 50s, companies like um, Kmart said, I want to be in every big city. And Walmart said, okay, you get the big cities, we'll get the rest of America. And it happens that there's a lot more rest of America than there are big cities. And I know sophisticated people find that tough to believe. So Walmart kind of came up with a spoken hub. So in the middle, they'd put their warehouse, and then they'd put like eight stores around it. And that warehouse would supply to all those uh, Walmarts. So they figured out a very organic, ecological, environmental um, business model. And they, they did a lot of data, too. So they kept their environment healthy. For instance, if they, they learned that, you know, Rob wants to buy cat litter on Saturdays. I'll let the cat litter stick and get clumpy and get disgusting. I can let it, I can hide the smell for a few days. You know, maybe I'll try lice all day on Tuesday. Wednesday, I'm dumping cologne in the cat litter box. Uh, when, Thursday, I'm like, okay, what the hell am I going to do? Should I add dirt from the garden? Um, I'm going to wait till Saturday to do that. Um, so they would stock the right people at the right places of the store so that there was always someone there to help you and customer service was good. Whereas Kmart just kind of like let their department managers figure it out on their own. And that wasn't the best idea. Walmart lived by data. Uh, Kmart lived by uh, bad data. So the whole ecology of the home market of first time buyers and condos, we need those people. Because I want someone to buy my house. I hope that someone buys my house. And I got a rental that I want to get rid of in 10 years. I hope someone will buy it in 10 years. And it'll be a first-time home buyer. Maybe they'll go from a condo to a single-family home. But it's a single-family home. But I kind of need, like, for them to get the down payment and everything, they kind of have to get that equity in their condo first, right? Anyhow, and anyway, we do not have a healthy uh, housing market. Is it working? Yes, but is it healthy? No. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me at robblackshow.com, YouTube, Rob Black Show, and Twitter, Rob Black Show. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW on the IR Radio app.
I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. You know, I tell you that some couples aren't really realistic, and I'm seeing more of it because of what I do for a living. You may see your neighbors as happy and go lucky and probably have a great sex life, and I know that's not true. I see people struggling hard, aggressively, to earn the salary that, you know, helps ends meet effectively. I think we make a lot of mistakes. Number one, we assume that we're going to stay in the home that we're living in now until the day we die. About three in five retirees decide to stay in their home for their golden years. But that's typically not the smartest decision. You get upkeep costs. You know, a home's probably in pretty good condition the first 10 years you bought it. Then pipes and things start to go, and uh, it makes it a little bit more expensive. Aging in place is something we need to think about. And people don't want to let go of their home, typically because of memories. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes you can make. Um, my mother, we got her out of her home this year. But she had fallen a couple times. There were stairs in the house. And she was eventually going to die because of those stairs. Or because she didn't have any touch with humanity for long stretches. So at one point in time when she fell, she sat in her own fecal matter for two or three days. When we found her, she was almost dehydrated and dead. Um, Add up the money that you spent on your home over the last five years and divide it by five to get a snapshot of your annual costs, then increase that number by 2 to 5% for inflation. And you can see your annual costs of maintaining your home are going to keep going up in retirement. Big mistake people make is that they think they're going to continue to work into retirement. Um, but there's a good chance that won't happen. Three of five, 60% of retirees recently said they were forced to stop working sooner than they had planned because of job issues tied towards health concerns or family responsibilities. Um, So don't assume that you're going to be able to pull it off. I had this crazy fantasy when I was a kid of just getting dollars and photocopying them. You shouldn't ever try to copy money. You physically can't do it. Um, There's a built-in system that alerts uh, photocopiers and Photoshop to stop working on it. Uh, counterfeiting is highly illegal. So a photocopier should refuse to copy a bill, which is kind of cool. There's there's some blue dots that appear. Um, That was my solution as a kid for retirement. Photocopying money. Doesn't work. Another mistake that retirees make is counting on an inheritance. Um, I know a, a family right now who the parents inherited money, and one side of the parent, one side of the, the inheritance went to like buying a boat and buying a condo, which is okay. Condo, boat, awful idea. But some of the money went to feel good projects, like a nice car. So seventy-five year old decides they want a, you know, a luxury automobile. We lived in the world where, like, old people were, like, barely could see above the, the steering wheel. So uh, don't bank on an inheritance because uh, 
one generation that's really great at saving it will pass it on to another generation that's really good at spending it. And then the next generation below is like, hey, <clears throat> I thought I was going to see some of that do re me. Um, mistake with retirement that people make is not being emotionally ready. Almost 7 in 10 retirees have a problem adjusting to the new lifestyle. About a third said losing connections with colleagues or getting used to different routines was the hardest part of retirement. I highly recommend you start setting in motion what your retirement is going to look like long before you retire. Um, I go to the gym every day. I know you're saying you're not super buff or cut. It's eh, probably why I'm at the gym every day. Uh, but the social aspects of it are, are wonderful. So, so try to get that done. Uh, downsizing your home is going to be more expensive than you think. About two in five retirees, 40%, move to a new home during their golden years, trying to downsize or reduce expenses. Uh, the complexity of a move is something that sometimes you can forget about because when you were used to moving in your 20s, you're just like, you didn't have much. You know, you have an old dresser that you inherited from mom and dad. Uh you know, you'd move in the middle of the night, you pack a truck, pack a van. But when it comes time to downsize your home, you have to sell stuff, you have to organize it, you have to clean out decades worth of crap. Um, then there's the real estate commission, there's the capital gains tax, there's the closing costs. And, you know, if you go and buy another place, it's all there. If you rent, you know, it's a tough market to be renting in right now. So a lot going on. <clears throat> couple of my friends have borrowed against their retirement. I went to did a show for the Learning Channel, top 10 401k mistakes, and one of them was pulling money out, taking a, a loan. The loan rate's competitive, but <clears throat> you've taken money out of your nest egg. And let's say the market goes up, you don't get that rate of return anymore. So consider other options for cash flow needs, such as a home equity loan, low interest personal loans. Second job. If you do take money out of a 401k, pay it off as fast as you can and put additional savings into a traditional IRA or something along those lines. One of the reasons I recommend financial planners in retirement is because of bad asset allocation. You work for 20 to 60, 20 to 40 years from age 20 to 60, right? And then you have to have that nest egg and then you start managing. Now your time's starting to run out. That's why you really want to have a good professional plan in place, a five-year plan in place for what your cash flow and what your budget and what your investments look like. It's more complicated than just eh, winking it. You can find me online at robblackshow.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.